0: Welcome to Ingenious, a podcast brought to you by Engineers Without Borders Bristol and recorded at the Burst Radio Studios. At Ingenious, we explore the future by talking with the pioneering engineers of today. In this episode, I spoke with Karen Hartley, an award-winning bicycle frame builder and former sculptor who owns two companies which sell beautiful handmade bikes. She was kind enough to let me steal some of her time in the middle of a dedicated trade show called Bespoke, which was taking place in bristol's very own engine shed as always i started by asking karen to introduce herself and describe how she got where she is today
1: my name's karen hartley and um, i've got two businesses one's called hartley cycles and one's called Ison workshop um, and they um, hartley cycles makes uh, bespoke bicycles, mm-hmm. and Ison Workshop makes production both bi- uh, bicycles, but all of them are handmade here in the UK. Um, my background is um, it's quite varied. I trained as a jeweler um, and did three D design and metalwork, um, and during that training, I did everything from goldsmithing through to large scale blacksmithing, mm-hmm. um, sort of everything in between. And then I worked for a jeweler for a number of years, and then um, as a sculptor making. Um, big public artworks and casting things in a foundry and then gradually got into cycling and then through that started making bicycles
0: that is quite quite an interesting journey i think it's very varied and not i'm sure it's not typical of people that get into this industry like how did you make the decisions that you made to get to where you are today is it just kind of at any given point when you decide you just want something new or
1: yeah i don't think i i I definitely there was a definite point in which i made a decision to become a frame builder Mm -hmm. um to make bicycles but with everything else it was more of a gradual yeah a gradual thing so you're kind of working on one type of thing Mm -hmm. like jewelry and then you might take on a job that's a little bit different like it's slightly more towards sculpture maybe and then It's really just like a more of a gradual thing. Um and then once you start getting known for one thing, then people start coming to you Mm. for that and it just kind of snowballs. Yeah, I think that's the theme
0: of everyone that we've interviewed so far. Very all kinds of varied careers, but no one has a plan really, like (laughs) that lasts beyond the next year or so.
1: Yeah, there was never a plan. (laughs) We
0: think it's absolutely great. So currently what you do to, to get an idea of it is you build from scratch bicycles yeah. what do you start with then do you basically start with metal tubes and exactly kind of go from there? yeah so i yeah. start with
1: metal tubes um some frame components you can buy so things like bottom bracket shells so it's right. just a threaded yeah a threaded tube mm-hmm. essentially that goes where the cranks go into
0: mm-hmm.
1: um other things you can fabricate so because of my um sort of metalwork background often things that other builders buy I fabricate things like brake bridges or right, yeah. um, dropouts and sort of other mm. bits that get brazed into the bicycle like
0: yeah I guess that gives you a slight extra little little wow factor for some people so how
1: does it how does it go
0: for you your design process do you start with a person coming to you and saying that I want a bike that has these whiz bang features or it looks kind of like this and you you work with them to build something specifically to their needs
1: um yeah so i mean it works in two ways so hartley cycles all those bikes are bespoke and ice and workshop all of those bikes are off the peg right so with hartley cycles a customer would come to me and say they want a bike first of all and mm-hmm. then we'd over a period of time or like you know a meeting and a cup of tea or something we'll sit down and we'll try and sort of work out what that bike's going to be like and the most important thing Um, for me really is to find out what they want to do with it, so what type of riding they want to do, how far do they want to go, how long do they ride for, what kind of road surface or um, not not road surface Mm. are they riding on, you know, is it gravel, is it tarmac, is it mountain biking, you know, all those things, do they want to carry luggage? Mm. Um, And then sort of through a really long conversation about that, we can kind of start to pinpoint the type of bike that's going to Mm. fit their needs.
0: Yeah. So what are people really looking for in a bespoke bike? What makes a kind of a bike beautiful and, and different from your standard mass-produced bike? We're at a festival called Bespokes right now, which is showcasing people that do similar things to you. Is that right? So yeah. what is it that makes these bikes special? Is there certain features that you can identify? Or
1: um, With my bikes particularly or with it all bespoke? Yeah, I guess so... yours.
0: What, what makes your, your bikes different? Um,
1: I think I do, I do pay a lot of attention to detail um, and I do fabricate quite a lot of the components, um, yeah. the frame components <clears throat> as well. Um, and then I think through, just through a period of time, I've got quite a, quite a distinct house style, I mm. guess, um, which I guess is sort of based on, you know, some of like my, the last 15 years mm. of what I've been working on, like being a designer, being a maker, yeah. being an artist. Um, I think a lot of that style sort of mm. comes through in the bikes I make.
0: Mm. I think I've listened to an interview with you before where you talk about, there's an interesting aspect of bicycle design compared with your past work, which was a lot more free in a way. Like yeah. bike design is quite constrained, but that gives you a different type of creativity.
1: Yeah, I think so. There's there's there are many more boundaries, so mm. you can make a beautiful bike, and that's all well and good. Mm. But if it doesn't perform really well, then it's not going to be yeah. a useful thing mm. for the customer, and it's not going to yeah. be a pleasure to ride. Mm. So you have to, if you if you want to make something beautiful, you have to do it within the constraints of the bikes. So it still has to yeah. be designed. First Mm. and foremost, as a really well performing bike, Um, and then within that, there are like there are small places where you can kind of bring design elements into it.
0: Absolutely, in a way that makes the design even more special because it's so so small and so subtle, and it's done under such a difficult circumstance almost. Yeah, it's a flash of design. It's it's that much more special.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's kind of I quite enjoy designing in that way because you're it's almost like you're working. Well, you are working to a brief from the customer, Mm. but. The bicycle is its own brief Mm. as well. So you're you know, you're trying to work in the bits of you into something, like into small places.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how big is the kind of industry that you're within at the moment? Is it a very small selection of people? It seems like there's a lot of people interested here today.
1: Um, there are quite a few, but it is still rainy. So that's probably like not a great answer. But um I for most of the people that are working professionally and some of the people that it's more of a kind of a project or a like sort of towards a hobby for are here today. So it is kind mm. of, it's still a very small industry yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, um, and
0: you must kind of learn from each other as well when the, I imagine there are trends in the designs that, that change, yeah. change over time.
1: Yeah, and I think they're influenced by, by all sorts of things. So mm. a, lot of, um, a lot of the trends that happen might be sort of from, out, yeah, external external forces or
0: so things external to bikes or
1: well they could be or could be what the industry as a whole is doing right. like if the if shimano and um sram and campag or whoever is mm. there, like really pushing disc brakes and the industry is really pushing disc brakes right and that's what's happening there then the bespoke customers start to mm. come to you and want disc yeah. brakes for example or tires are getting wider mm. at the moment so there's a lot of that sort of like chicken and egg debate so you can't yeah people don't often want things until they exist already (laughs) because yes like you can't you can't imagine something until you've Mm. seen it often yeah so we're kind of trying to like imagine things for the customers or they're seeing things that they um they really like the look of from either big manufacturers or what the pros are doing and then they're like oh can we have that can you know so Mm. it's kind of a balance of the bespoke industry pushing yeah and then the more commercial yeah like, yeah. I guess it's the it, specialized and the yeah. and the other big companies pushing for it as well. So it's, mm. it's, yeah, it's yeah high.
0: with anything like it's f- kind of a fashion based industry. No one yeah. really knows who's who's defining the trends and who's following yeah. them. It's, it's an interesting
1: mix yeah. really. And ultimately we want to make the best bikes for our customers. Yeah. So we'll we'll never do something that we're not happy with. But if the customer really wants something and we can provide it and we think it's going to work well then that's mm. what we're going to do over our own, our own personal yeah. tastes
0: absolutely yeah so how new is your company and how has it changed since it first it first developed and do you have other plans for the future how how's things gonna change um,
1: well so i uh sorry well heartley cycles We you start with them yeah. um heartley cycles is my own personal company and up until about 18 months ago that was just me so that started five years ago mm-hmm. um and then then it grew to two of us um I've got another woman who does a lot of this operations and emailing and all of the stuff that's not making yeah. essentially mm-hmm. keeps the workshop running really yeah. while i'm making um and then th- that's that's all bespoke so every single bike is a one-off mm. um for an individual and then a year ago we launched ice workshop which is the production kind of arm of what we do so um, that's a separate company and that's a collaboration mm-hmm. between myself and another builder yeah um, and the reason for that was I mean it's sort of twofold so sometimes I've got an 18 month waiting list right, and sometimes well, that's too long for some people yeah, which is reasonable yeah. um, so having a production arm means we can bring stuff to them in 12 weeks um, another reason for doing that was that um, we were noticing a lot of companies smaller smaller companies offering bikes that were designed in the UK and presenting them slightly disingenuously as if they were manufactured here right yeah but they're not they're designed Mm. here um, and then made elsewhere and we kind of were looking at that we like, actually we could for the same price point we could design and manufacture here in our own workshops Mm. ourselves and make sure like we had like full control of everything and so we can make sure the quality's perfect, mm. we can move more quickly um, and also, you know, we're, we're making them here, so.
0: I'm sure that's something that people really care about, who yeah, buy these kinds of bikes.
1: I think so, because it seems, I mean, sometimes it seems ludicrous that all the things we have come from all over the world, Like mm. when we could just, everything could be a bit more local. Yeah. Um, it's better for the environment, it's yeah. better for lots of reasons. Um, so then, so that's the production mm. sort of arm um, that now employs a couple of people mm-hmm. as well as us. There's five of us in total yeah. now working across the mm. the businesses.
0: I think that's real. It's got real potential for loads of products beyond bikes. Really, like I'm sure there are other product categories as well where people who really want to get the best can get this kind of totally different experience from mass production. Obviously, mm. bikes are mass produced all over the world, um, and it's a very different experience to what you've got. And it's what you have is, is so much more valuable to in, in some way. And I think so many of the product categories could benefit from that. And I think that's could be an interesting thing in the future as, I don't know, mass production kind of sucks the soul out of products.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> it's think, a bit of
0: a backlash, I guess, isn't it?
1: I think it is. And I think it's happening yeah. in all industries. It's not it's not just bespoke mm. bikes, but people, want, they want to know where their products come from. They want to know mm. who made them. They want yeah. to know that they're sustainable. Mm. Um, and they want to know that they're good quality. And yeah. if you're if you're making them in-house, then you know you can kind of mm. tick all those boxes
0: yeah absolutely so from the perspective of running a company is it is it something that you've done before in your past exploits have you had um, your own company
1: or yeah so I was I've, I've always been self-employed since leaving college so mm. I've got like a reasonable amount right. of experience running yeah. a business Um but this is the first time I've really employed people so I guess that's been a bit of a learning curve yeah um, so going from being a sole trader to yeah um, to a limited company and an employer has been um, yeah managing people yes
0: so that's the major challenge really. so that's
1: been yeah that's been like a big sort of yeah big eye opener and that's been yeah trying to do that but then also still do the making and still mm. do all of the other stuff yeah. as well yeah
0: i guess it's the endless balance for a business owner you want to have your hands exactly dirty way, don't you? yeah you want
1: to yeah. be the one doing the stuff but then mm. also you yeah. realize that there's a point where you can't do all of the stuff so you have yeah. to try and yeah um train people to mm-hmm. do yeah. To do the stuff and trust that you them, can't. and trust them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's quite hard. Like when you've built something yourself, it's kind of like your yeah. your baby. So to let Absolutely, that, yeah. to let the the control go of that is can be quite yeah. can be quite a challenge in itself. Yeah, but we're lucky that we've got a really good team. So it's cool. yeah, yeah, it's working.
0: Yeah. If if you look back across your your whole career in general, is it does it feel like everything worked out beautifully for you, or, or could you have done something differently to get get yourself in a in an even better situation maybe Um, or is it just this kind of almost not random but very eclectic mix of things has been perfect for you
1: yeah i think it has really worked out well um when i was working as an artist i'd sort of got to a point where i was doing a lot of proposals and a lot of sort of writing about Mm. making work rather than making work yeah and i i started to get a bit a bit bored by it all and just kind of like this is actually this isn't really what i want to be doing Mm. and it's like, it, it, it's too hard for not enough, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not making enough stuff. I'm just writing about these really exciting projects. <laughs> but that I'm must not, be really frustrating. Which is really, yeah, so so I kind of thought, I don't, I'm don't. i not really sure I want to be doing this anymore. And that's where um, thinking about starting to make bikes sort of mm. came in. But when I stopped doing that, I made the decisions to stop doing that. I kind of saw the making bikes as a, a totally different thing that had no relation to what i'd been doing previously yeah. and it wasn't until i started like was maybe a year in with hartley cycles i kind of realized that actually everything that i'd done previously yeah. had just kind of laid that laid the scene for what i was doing so like, all the the running the businesses that i'd like as a sole trader that i'd run before mm. that was all feeding into what i was doing now like yeah. learning how to market myself mm. as an artist was yeah. like had taught me loads about how to how to build a business and a reputation High Cycles, and then obviously, all the making metalwork skills are really transferable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I kind of realized it all <laughs> actually quite a natural progression, really. yeah.
0: Everything works beautifully in hindsight, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so for people who want to do a similar thing to you, maybe whether mm. it's bikes or, or otherwise, this yeah. kind of I, I guess a craft industry, mm. what would your advice be to someone who's starting basically from zero? Maybe they have an interest, but nothing, no contacts, no not necessarily any experience.
1: Um, I think. I suppose you've you got to think about firstly like what what is it that you want to do mm-hmm. and who are you doing that for maybe because if you if you're if you want it to be a business and to be able to sustain you and financially support mm. you you need essentially a product that that you can sell so in order for that to work it needs to be something that other people aren't doing like you need to work out what your usp is because mm-hmm. there are loads of people doing yes. all sorts of craft and all mm. sorts of like there's there's loads of bike makers, there's loads of jewelers, mm. there's loads of like um, potters and mm. for every single craft that you can imagine. There's already hundreds and hundreds of people yeah. doing it. So trying to work out what your unique selling point is and why what your what mm. you think you're going to make is going to be different and mm-hmm. more attractive to yeah. to the people buying it. Um, and then once you sort of know what that is, um, maybe you know what that is already. Trying to sort of work out how are you going to sort of like get people to know about you or like where are you going to sell it you know because um, yeah. there's a lot of yeah a lot of it is there's no it's no good just making this stuff if no one's going to ever see mm-hmm. it or or if you can't sell it yeah i'm
0: sure shows like this are fantastic for that all the audience yeah. is, is in one place
1: exactly yeah so that's yeah. that's obviously the point of something like this where everyone gets together and shows their wares essentially
0: yeah find a way to be unique really is, is yeah. the key yeah
1: i think that's the key you need to do what you're doing really well get the skills to do it really well and work out what you can do differently mm. to other people like what what's your unique offering
0: yeah absolutely well it sounds like you've managed to get that down yourself so
1: yeah i hope
0: so <laughs> right okay well i've taken enough of your time i think i better let you get back to your stall and carry on talking okay. about your own bike so yeah thank you very much for speaking to me Carrie no problem yeah it's been really great so All thank right. you very much thank Cheers. You. if you enjoyed this week's episode of ingenious please subscribe and share the podcast with friends we'd also love to hear your feedback Get in touch, or to find out more about us and our guests, head to ingeniouspod.org. Music for our episodes is kindly provided by Yemzo Katana. Check him out on SoundCloud.
1: Online. Not on FM. And certainly not on digital. This is Burst Radio.
0: Bristol University's radio
1: station. Radio station. Radio station. Radio